Yo. Here we are again. Back like we never it's left. Been a long episode seventy one. No, it's been a long we time. We shouldn't have left them. With our new episode <laughs> to step, step to, you know? <laughs> absolutely. But shout out to Eric being Absolutely. Wait, what is this? We've been like on a two week hiatus, I want to say. I don't know. I'm gonna be honest, it feels like on. two months. Yeah, it does. Because there have been some things going on, positive stuff, but you know, Elgin's been busy, I've been busy, Carl's been busy because obviously, um, we have other things. We have lives. Lives and, and, that, and this and, podcast and we have to pay bills we have to pay bills but this podcast is definitely a big part of our lives huge part but it, it unfortunately doesn't get the priority because we gotta pay bills well, but we're back we're back and, and wanna just say we ain't going anywhere no 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 we're here it took us some time we've been working on some things like yes. I said I've been going through a lot of stuff Dutch been doing his thing mm-hmm. Carl's been doing his thing Carl is absent tonight but he is still cryptology still here. game yes we're not you know? leaving we're not T- leaving T- you guys Takashi did not <laughs> blow the whistle on Carl Carl is not Carl is not nine yeah, he's not nine tray he's not Carl is nine. options gang yeah he's options <laughs> gang only um, yes but man listen I just want to say, you know, it's weird, like, doing a podcast, and I was telling um, Super Engineer Chris that it's almost like the gym. Like, I feel like, you know, because if you work out every day, you get right. into this habit, and I was in this habit, like, every Friday we right. recorded. Like, very rarely would I miss an episode or you or right. Carl. And then you miss one, and it's like, okay. And then something happens, and you miss two. Yep. And then after two, it's it's like I felt like it was the gym where, you, you know, you missed three days in a row at the gym and you're like, man, I don't want to work out no right. more. I like not working out. Yeah, you know? and you and you kind of also um, start to forget what it's like to have to come in and do right. it, right? Yeah. And and then, you know, if you if you don't catch yourself, you can just be like, oh, fuck, fuck it, right? Yeah. But the cool thing is we got so many people that reached out and, and I was like, now nah, we're back, you know, we just got just got some scheduling conflicts and things of that nature. You know, we, we, we did have some scheduling conflicts as well. Yeah. Um, in terms of, you know, I traveled, Carl traveled, I, I want to say Elgin traveled as well. So, you know, we just want to let people know, listen, we, we appreciate all the shout-outs, people reaching out, checking in on us, you know, and, and we're not going anywhere. Right. We're here. Everybody's um, safe. Nobody's in jail. Nah, not, none of that. No, yeah. no, no life-threatening illnesses, thank God, yeah, no or whatever you believe illnesses. in. Um, but, yeah, we're here. And, and with that being said, I think we have a very, very great fucking episode ahead because we have with us Nadav Zemmer, who is a principal of a high school in New York, and I actually randomly met him. Well, there's no such thing as random, but I met him at at the the Jinjin Cafe, which is which is a business that I'm involved with in Harlem, and he was talking to my business partners. I want to say they were talking about a bunch of things, um, the cafe, cryptocurrency, blockchain, all kinds of things. And I, you know, my, my ears are attuned. So when I hear anybody talking about blockchain, I'm like, okay, guest, right? Mm-hmm. So I spoke to him and he, and, and he said, you know, hey, I'd love to come on. He has a book. And I, I checked out, you know, the website for the book and, and I was very impressed by his, his sort of thought-provoking ideas about education and how that can be combined with blockchain. So, you know, without my further ramblings, um, let's welcome him to the show. Pleasure to be here, guys. Thanks Excellent. for having me. Excellent. Thank you for yeah. coming. So, yeah. t- so tell the people first of all um, something about yourself. You know, quick bio: where you from, where you grew up, uh, what you, you know, what you like, what you dislike. Yeah. <laughs> uh, born in the Middle East. Um, I, my family's all over the place. My okay. wife's Japanese. My brother okay. lives in Argentina. My nice. mom's born in the Philippines. Oh, my dope. D- we all speak French for some reason. Mm. Okay. Um, and. Uh, 
that had an impact on me, having yeah. just diverse influences. I studied yeah. in France, um, and seeing different educational systems had right. influence on me. I grew up in the Waldorf School, yeah. which is kind of, I don't know if you've heard of Steiner Schools. It's a pretty uh, different type of school. Yeah, it's a different way of Yeah, and then went to public high school. Um, my best education was when I really fell flat on my face in business. Yeah. Um, that was the best education yeah. I've had. Uh, and that started bringing up questions of what is education for me. That's where I learned the most. Right. Um, and then I took some executive. I, I was a software engineer mm -hmm. um, working for digital equipment at Netscape in the day. Mm. I remember and, Netscape. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, so you were there at the beginning. So I was at Netscape, but paid by DEC. I don't know if you ever heard of DEC. No. DEC was, their research park was light years. They had a 64-bit multi-core processor in the late 90s. I mean, that shit didn't hit mainstream for 15 years. Yeah. But we were working, so I was porting Netscape's code over to 64-bit architecture in the late 90s. Yeah, I just right? watched uh, probably six months or so. I can't remember. It was like a four-part or six-part series um, about Netscape. Oh man, I can't remember the name. It was really interesting, and it talked about the beginnings of Netscape, yep. and then the pressures to follow up the, the next version of Netscape, yep. and then Internet Explorer. You know, sneaking right. Started with and, Mosaic, and then yeah. Netscape, and then when they start SSL, and the government tried to shut it down, like right. a few times, we dodged some bullets. And, but, and but correct me if I'm wrong. I believe Netscape was the first. Um, I want to say platform or software that was open ended and allowed. Um, users to create um i guess add-ons so like um from from at least from what i saw in the show so i know like google chrome people can go and create all these different add-ons right yep. and and it's open what is it open source open source sure. open source yep. so in the show at least and i don't know how true it is netscape was having a hard time creating something the, the next thing and they were stagnated with ideas and someone had the idea of leaving it open source for the people who use it to create great stuff for it. I, I don't know if that's, that's possible. I actually don't know much about the open open source side of Netscape. Okay. But speaking of, just to put in there, because every time somebody mentions I got to put in your your extensions now in your browsers, if you're involved in cryptocurrency, be careful. Those mm -hmm. extensions open you up to vulnerabilities. Of and course. if you're doing anything with crypto, open a, you know, a private browser window with no extensions. Like every time I hear somebody mention extension, I got to shut it because <laughs> That's right. it's an easy way because they can, those extensions see everything you're doing. Of right. Course. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting so, because we tangent. had a guest previously who was, uh, what, she, she was hacked, right? Bitcoin bombs. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. She, she was hacked. But that was a... Simport. They did a Simport. Uh, yeah, yeah. swap. So yeah. It, it's, it's again, yeah. you know, I'm sure all of this stuff you, you were working on previously kind of prepared you to, for, this, for this new and, and, and brave world that we're in. So... You're in Netscape. You're in, you're, you're in, you were at Netscape. Right, you were in Netscape. Right. Okay. For, for digital work. For digital, digital right. And so after, like, so how did that come about? Like, let's talk, talk to us about, like, what was your child... Like, how did you even get into that from, like, obviously, you know, we're all children. So did you always have an interest in science or was it something your family kind of supported or, or did you, or are you like an outlier or are you like, is it common in your family for people to be into science? Or how did that work? Like you just expressed the interest in it as a kid? Yeah, it's a good question. I, um, my dad's a physicist. Okay. So that's okay. how I knew it existed. Right. <laughs> right. But my brother didn't go that way. Right. My family, um, I can't read. And so science, like math, doesn't involve much reading, mm -hmm. right. right? I'm a terrible reader. Right. So uh, I went that way just because it was easier for right. me than social studies or yeah, English yeah, yeah. or anything or, else, or right? Whatever, yeah. Um, so I, and, I, and I just went, and I also, people told me if I went to physics or math, mm -hmm. doors would stay open. 
Whereas if you go to English, true. like doors close, like you can't yeah, go into sciences yeah. after, but you can go from sciences into English. Yes. And so because it came easy, because my dad was, my dad sat me down when I was a kid and like showed me the Big Bang Theory and he's into cosmology and all this stuff in the beginning of the Bible. And I, you know, I speak Hebrew. So we look, right. and it's the same. I mean, it's the same, right? So yeah. as a kid, I didn't see a distinction between like the deep spiritual stuff and science. And, yeah. um, and so when I'd study science, it kind of. I'd been, yeah, it kind of made sense naturally because my dad had been talking to me about it for a long time. Yeah. So it's just easier for me to go there. Right. I was lazy, I think. Right. <laughs> right. So, so you went that route. And so, um, so you said you grew up all over uh, globally, basically. I grew up in Chicago, though. Oh, you grew up? Okay. Yeah. So you grew up in Chicago, yeah. high school in Chicago. Yeah, in Chicago. And then from there, university in Chicago as well? No, in Boston. In Boston. And then okay. California okay. Uh, for software. And then yeah. I had my own business out in California. Where in California? Uh, in the Bay Area. Okay, because right. I'm from the Bay. I'm from oh, San Francisco. Yeah, I went to high school I think there. We talked, did we yeah, talk we talked about that a little briefly. Yeah. Yeah, so, East Bay? Uh, no, San Francisco. Oh, in San Francisco? Yeah, my sister went okay. to Cal. She's okay. an advanced mathematician. Well, she was. And then she worked for Goldman and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about the, the failed business because I'm a business guy and, and I'm all, you know, obviously we have the cafe and I'm always curious when you said, when someone says that their biggest lessons are when, when things don't go their way because I, I agree with that. Yeah. Because you don't really learn a lot from success, you know? Facts. But, but, but except on how to spend money. But right. when, when, when things don't go your way, you're forced to kind of rebuild or, or kind of retrace the steps of how it went wrong and then see, you know. So how did, how did that happen? What kind of business was it? Was it sole proprietorship or did you have a company or? So I had, uh, the, the one that really went, I mean, I fell hard, mm -hmm. was uh, artist collaborative in San Francisco. So I met this guy mm -hmm. um, at Burning Man <laughs> um, and he was building these massive metal sculptures. Right. And I, I was working at a place called Great Place to Work Institute at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was with them, built from a mom and pa shop, and they built to being in like 11 countries before I left. And I was right. their IT guy, and right. I wrote the software that I think is still running their consulting right. business. And this guy was like, I need a little help automating right. my CNC machine so that we can cut this stuff automatically because I can't cut it fast enough for the orders. He had right. massive orders. Right. And so I went and just kind of by accident got involved um, and aut helped him automate and built the system, the database that you know ran the front end, the back end, so they didn't make mistakes, whatever. Just tried to improve efficiencies, and he couldn't pay me. And so I said, listen, we'll just pay me, and we'll figure out how much stock is worth. And we had a consultant figure out a contract, right. so he paid me in like shares. Right. Equity. And within a few months, I owned half the company. Mm -hmm. And so suddenly I was like, okay, like I guess I'm, I didn't mean to be part of this, but I guess I'm part of this now. Right. And we had a crazy ride. We and had boats and parties and cars. Like we, we, we soared. Right. We did great. And then the whole thing collapsed. Right. Um, so a lot of it, what I learned is just people. Like he disappeared. Once he saw that I was kind of managing the thing, he just gone. Poof. Right. But he was sales. I don't do sales. Right. right? I, I'm operations. Yeah. And so then I was. And then so like, do I not let my people, I hang out 20 some odd employees, do I not let them pay rent? And so I wasn't paying my rent, but I was putting their rent sure. on my credit cards, you know, I was paying. Mm. And just how fast it fell and watching the relationships, it's, it's hard to put my finger on what I learned, but just, um, I think it's coming out of it is empowering other people's leadership. Yes. Like, cause I was trying to run it like I knew something. Right. And you don't ever know shit, right? <laughs> right? No, and absolutely. so learning that it's not knowing is, the key and kind of being curious and watching and like the minute you think you know something, you're going to get hit. Um, and so I think it's that mentality that I started and, I, and then I started doing some trainings mm -hmm. and in those trainings, I started every time I'd go to training, I'd say, why don't they teach us in high school? And I, that kept happening in my head. Why don't they teach yeah. us in high school? Why? And that's what ended up leading me to high school. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. But I think what I learned in that failure and in, I, I went into debt big time. I, I was paying that off for years. Um, 
Yeah, I think I learned that I'm bad at sales. Um, and I learned that my job is to empower those around me. That's what I do. So, so was the failure based on once this guy who left, who was your, your key to the sales world, Yeah, you, you couldn't duplicate the results he was bringing in and, and, and then just there was no revenue to, to pay the expense? Too much was on me. Mm. I hadn't built up infrastructure around me and I didn't understand what people provided. And, right. Um, right. I was young and I thought I, I thought I was something. Right. And that's just such a mistake. Right. So, well, I'm, I'm of the belief any business, you know, there's two core components and it's great people and great process. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. if you have both of them, you're, you're winning. But, you know, I'm, I really am headstrong, a great process because, you know, me and you might be in a business and you might be the, the greatest back end guy. Right. Right. But if you leave, what happens? I'm right. fucked. But exactly. if I have great process, you know, I could get someone who maybe not might not be as good as you, but I could keep the boat afloat because yep. I have great process, yep. you know, so Absolutely. I always feel great people, great process. You always want to try to hire great people. You know, you want to try to take care of your people because I'm a believer that happy cows make better milk. Um, but again, the process part of any business is so crucial, I think, because again, and the people you hire aren't teaching you. Why did you hire them? Right, right. Right. They got to be smarter than you. No, and if you, you, if you need to be key. smarter than everybody, which yeah. is where I was in my 20s, right. of course. Right, you're in trouble. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So, yeah. But that's absolutely. part of the growth and, and maturity. It's, it's interesting that you said that, right? Because I think I kind of figured it out just now, and I could be wrong, but I think this podcast is probably going to revolve a lot around leadership. Because I think that um, as I get older, I understand that, you know, a lot of us learn leadership at home, or what we think, right? Yeah. And and that might be some really dysfunctional shit, right? For the most part, it is. Yeah. You know, it's narrow if nothing else. Right. One right. set. And and it's it's and it, and it's not a it's not a, what they call agnostic. Yeah. Right. But you said something just now that I think is really really key is that you lead by build making other by creating other leaders. You yeah. know, by incentivizing people. Right. So. So as you come out of that crisis, right? Because at that time, I've been there. You feel like it's the end of the world, and oh my God, how am I? You know. Yeah. How did you start to rebuild yourself, right? And then also, how did you develop that philosophy of empowering other leaders as you lead? Through was it only through these courses, or was it other work experiences, or other just experiences in general? Yeah, it's. Yeah, I think so. Then I, I did. I had my own consulting company. Mm -hmm. My my grandparents were getting old here in New York, so I came out here to take care of them, and I was doing consulting here in New York. Um, yeah, so just those, you know, when when you got to pay rent, and then yeah. with debt, and you know, with everything right. else, you the, you the less, yeah, you, yeah, 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 right. You hustle, and yeah, you, figure you get out, to it. You yeah. figure out what's what. Yeah. Um, and even right. So, just fast forward. I'm not really answering your question, maybe, yeah. but fast forward to being a high school principal. Right. I learned the opposite lesson again because then I really got empower other people. <laughs> the teachers are the leaders. Right. I'm leadership support. But some people need a strong leader to tell them what to do. Right? Yes. And I wasn't good at recognizing those people and right. taking care of them because right. they need the structure to do this, yes. be here, do that, move like yeah. that, right? And you need to have both gears. Like, yeah. oh, this person needs like. And so serving people sometimes means. Not empowering their leadership, but letting being a strong leader yes, for them, and yes. that's where my weakness. Right? right. So right when I thought I knew something, again, boom, there <laughs> right. I go, get hit, kicked right. in the ass again. Um, so it's that it's it's the mindset of um, it's like a dance more yeah. than it is like you know driving on the highway at eighty miles an hour. Now, that's you know? a great analogy because because you have to be it's a partnership, yeah, and sometimes. You know, depending on who you're dancing with, you got to lead, right? Yeah. And and you, but you also have to set the tone, right? For for the dance. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think, 
Um, what I found too, because I've, I've I went to school later in life or college later in life, is that so many people stop learning, but they don't think that they stop learning right. because people mistake information for education. Mm. Mm. You know, mm. and and inf- information, in my opinion, and and you're an educator. I think that unless you're you're engaging the information right critically it's not education it's just words and numbers and things you know it's right. just stuff right it's yep. just data right and and how did your experience just sort of as as a, obviously as a scientist as a businessman how did you then so now we're in new york we're at the yeah. we're at the educational part right so you did the consulting and how did you get from consulting into the education so I had that experience of mm-hmm. why didn't they teach me this in high school? That I'm right. going home one day consulting at three in the morning, and I'm a little. I always go like 120 percent, and I know that's me. I just mm-hmm. go in way too deep, drives my wife crazy sometimes because mm-hmm. she doesn't get to see me. Um, and I was coming home at three in the morning, and I was a little resentful, like, why am I working so hard for Mike, the CEO, to make more money? Right. Right. And then they made me the offer I was waiting for because I was a consultant, I, you know. And then they made me the offer that, right. like, I had been building my whole career for, right. and I didn't say yes right away, which right. I was like, why am I not saying yes to this? My ego just needed the offer. Mm. Once my ego got the offer, it was like, okay, move on, buddy. Right. And so I'm there at three in the morning, and I was like, well, what could I be coming home at three in the morning from and not be resentful of? Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, working with kids, I would never feel bad working my ass off for kids. Like mm. never, I just, and plus when people ask me what I do for a living, I'd hold my head up high saying I'm an educator, right? right? And so that, that was it, I went to that, I said no to them and they offered me more money. Mm. I said no, so I had to think about it for a week, like whoa, man, yeah. that's a lot, maybe I'll do it for a few years, you know, you go yeah. through that whole process, and I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm doing this educator thing. Again, we went six, six or seven times and made me offers. So by the time I chose to be a teacher, I had been tested like six times. I spent like two months being tested. Like, do you really want, no, do you really right. want, no, do you really, right. Right? right? And I don't think a lot of teachers get that testing. So they go in, yeah, yeah, especially educators. They don't, yeah. they're not that positive that they, I, I had no doubt that that's where I was meant to be. Yeah. So, and I imagine now you're going in as a teacher, the, the, the difference between what you were offered and your entry point into yeah. the educational uh, system had to be, drastically different it, it was a wild ride because when right. I came to New York I had nothing right and then I built up to getting this nice offer right and then I so it had been such a short period of time that compared to where I was a few months ago it still felt good mm-hmm. right, right? Okay. And I didn't have a family and stuff and I felt like I was building a future for my family where we'd be good I'd have okay. the retirement so I long sight. it didn't feel right. yeah it, it didn't long play. yeah yeah it didn't feel so bad and and some things are more important than money right feeling good yeah. about what you're doing long term um, and there's stability and whatever else. Right. So yeah, so it didn't it didn't feel I, that painful. I think, I think money, as important as it is, it can be the only tool in your toolbox. Right. right, it's a tool. Yeah, it's a tool, and it can be the only tool in your toolbox. So you have to figure out other things that you bring to the table. So obviously, you have this amazing pedigree, right? So you get into education. Were you a teacher first? Yeah, I was a okay. physics teacher and a robotics coach. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. In the city? In the city. Okay. George Westinghouse High School in downtown Brooklyn. Okay, yeah. yeah. So. You get there. What was that like? I mean, was it because you really have no formal training as an yeah. educator, right? So, so what is that process like for someone to transition into education? Because I, I assume you have to go to college or take some courses or, or yeah, what? yeah, to get a master's degree in okay. secondary science education. But okay. I did it at the same time that I started teaching. Okay. Um, 
It was long. I mean, the, so the robotics program I was part of was pretty intense. We'd have six weeks that we'd build that I'd be at work seven days a week. I didn't, I didn't sleep. I didn't go home. Um, so the stuff I took on was pretty intense, but it was so rewarding. These guys, we, I mean, we, we had a team, all minority team that mm-hmm. kicked everybody's ass in New York, the private schools, the public mm-hmm. school. I mean, these guys took everybody down just because mm-hmm. we worked harder than everybody mm-hmm. else. Um, it was a privilege. And I had a great principal that I worked for. It was a CTE school. Um, what is this? Career CTE and technical school? education. Okay, gotcha. So um, taught a lot of computer stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I got to teach a lot of computer software courses. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a steep learning curve. I did not know how to. I, did, I thought I knew physics. I had a degree in it. But man, until you teach it, you don't know it. Yeah. Right? Which is part of what you were saying, like information yeah. versus when you can teach Absolutely. it. And students now need to learn because video, YouTube, whatever, they yeah. need to learn how to be able to teach things if yeah. they're going to want to claim any knowledge. Because right. you get interviewed about it and you can't teach somebody else, right. you don't know it. Right. right? Then Where, it dies with you. Yeah, exactly. It's not living. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, um, I mean, we could talk about more like where what the where the future of education right, is going. Of course, but yeah. Um, yeah, so it was, it, it was, I didn't have family, so it was, I worked all the time. I mean, right. I just worked nonstop yeah. all the time. Um, and, and the students taught me every day. Right. Okay, so now you're doing that, and then... You did it for how many years? Uh, seven years. Seven years, and then you, so that that got you onto the principal track, right? Yeah, I, I there's a program that, that uh, the aspiring principals program that again lets you train to be a principal while you start in a position as a principal, mm-hmm. and it's uh, pretty demanding, and you're not sure you get a job, and they tried to kick me out a few times, and there was you know there was some uncertainty there. Right. I actually didn't get into the program. I kind of uh, weaselled my way in. Um, most of the people had been in education a little longer than I had. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I, I, I think I got lucky a little bit, mm-hmm. got in, and then, um, yeah, and then took over a school that was a failing school, um, one of the bottom schools in the city, also a transfer school, meaning it serves kids that are getting kicked out of other schools, mm-hmm. they're incarcerated, we have a daycare to take care of the babies, mm-hmm. uh, zero to three-year-olds, so the mm-hmm. kids of the kids, um, and in, by the second year, we were in A school, and we maintained top ranking for the seven years that I was there, um, Seven years, yeah, seven plus seven years that I was there, we we made we stayed at one of the, as one of the top. It turned around in two years was luck, I think. I, I had a great staff, the best teachers in the city, um, but you don't usually get those results and test scores and stuff in two years. That's rare. So something right. we got we got a bit of luck thrown yeah. in. I thought I'd get it in three or four years, right. but to get on the second, you know, to go to from an a, to from a you know D to a B to an A and then hold that A was right. was uh, a testament testament to my staff and how much right. they bought into the vision and how amazing they were right so so now we're at that part is this when you so obviously this is a crypto yeah crypto pocket so how at this time are you already aware of well, you probably are, right? You're aware of crypto- cryptology, which is a which is just encrypting messaging, right? Right. But you're also aware of cryptocurrency at this point, right? No. Okay. I how, did, get... how did that get on your radar, the cryptocurrency? Yes, I had guys from college that um, halfway through my physics degree, I ditched mm-hmm. it and went to the computer science department, okay. realizing that that's where it was going to be to make some money. <laughs> um, and some of the guys that I was uh, friendly with in college were in, in, into the cryptographic math side of the studies. Right. Um, but I didn't find out about Bitcoin. I probably heard about it. I think my wife heard about it first. But I was too busy. Yeah. And then I got reassigned for my post because of some New York Post articles and stuff. Right. And so I had time in my hands. Right. And I'd always been interested in open source. I'd right. always been interested in decentralized technology. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I wasn't surprised that I ended up at Bitcoin. Right. 
what I was surprised by was that that led me back to education. That's what I didn't. Ex- I didn't expect to end up studying education again right. and where that's going. Um, yeah. So in 2017, I was reassigned for my school, and I just had time in my hands. Yeah. What, 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 what was the you know like some of the first things that jumped out off the page for you about Bitcoin and blockchain, where you're like, okay, you know, Bitcoin is something I heard of now. Bitcoin is really something that interests me. And was it? strictly from an educational perspective or did you look at it like hmm, I might want to invest in this myself personally you know what was your stance on it yeah uh, I was interested in the technology um, I was interested in this movement uh, you know I'm always as a principal I'm always thinking about what do I have to prepare kids for to get them ready for the future right mm-hmm. um, how many times have I helped a kid get into college but I didn't help them enough to get through college, yes. so they end up with debt and no degree, and I just right. ruined their life, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So if you don't make it all the way, you hurt them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always thinking, so I, st- I was studying it from the perspective is what what can this teach me about how we prepare our high school kids for the future? Mm-hmm. That's where I was coming from. Um, and the open source model of, or the decentralized, right? So there's two components, decentralized, which means there's no CEO, right? right? There's just a network of computers and the right. open source piece, which is like totally transparent, mm-hmm. um, I thought was really interesting. And I started just the basic ideas of real life. And then AI, my friends are, are software engineers in AI, so I've mm-hmm. been talking to them. So just starting to realize that first, the future, Lawyers are going to be replaced by software engineers, right? Doctors might be, right? There's a lot. Software engineering is the one place to prepare kids if they want guaranteed income in the future. And then Bitcoin, um, I was interested for investing, but it was more, I just couldn't believe it existed. Mm -hmm. Like, and how big it got. Right. Right. In 2017, it was bigger than Goldman Sachs in terms of market cap. Mm-hmm. So we had this decentralized organization that there's no CEO, there's no owner, there's no country behind it. And it blew my mind. It's, it, looking at it, it's not that surprising. If you look at like the TCPIP stack and then HTTP on top of that, why is China using that? Why don't they have a different protocol? Well, it's because it was free and ownerless, right? It was because of those characteristics that things can spread, you know. Rapidly. In, in the early, when I lived in France, um, they had Minitel in the late 80s that did way more than the internet, way ahead of the internet. Right. But the Internet won because nobody owned it. It was free. It was right. open. Right. And so then I started asking, are we going to have free, open, ownerless money? Is that and once you start down that rabbit hole, <laughs> you know, you start seeing things. Right. right. Um, yeah. So you're seeing the possibilities for for sort of a a more. Am I right in saying equitable future? Because we talked about that a yeah. little bit in the cafe, right? Yep. So, yep. so, you so start- equity is a big part of it for me. Right. I'm also a foster parent, right. um, and my and and also I um, kind of informally adopted the mother of my foster daughter who lives with us now, mm-hmm. and all of my students are minority kids, right. and um, I have a deep commitment to and my you know my grandparents from the Holocaust and right. like we've I've, I've seen persecution in my own family. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a deep commitment. We have to get a few levels to get to how equity is built in. So what I started with is just mm-hmm. a really mundane idea. Mm-hmm. Just take record keeping and education mm-hmm. in high school, the transcript. Right. Right. Grades. It, it, grades. Right. It's just a ledger of accounts, English, credit, you know, math, credit, no right. credit. And then you have a grade. Forget about the grade. Just credit, no credit. Don't right. forget about Jim, my favorite. Right, exactly. Jim, <laughs> you got the credit or you didn't get the credit? How many right. credits did you need? That's all it is. Right. And that, so immediately studying Bitcoin, I was like, wait, what would happen if we just, just this mundane change, just put the credits 
on a blockchain, mm-hmm. right. right? What would happen? Just a mental exercise. And I started unfolding and unfolding and talking to engineers and because I have access to people who are engineers right. and we started unfolding it. And it has some crazy consequences. Mm-hmm. First of all, you take the power to define a credit from the government and give it to distributed network of teachers. Mm-hmm. Boom. Teachers now have the power. Politicians inflate grades just like money supplies inflated, sure. right? Because they always want gains. They always want to see it going it. up, 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 yeah. up, 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 right? So it gets, right now, it's down to, to get a credit. You just need to sit in a room for 54 mm-hmm. minutes, which is just like having a job. You go, you swipe in, and the big problem with our industrial economy is people have jobs, but they don't do any work. That's right. Mm-hmm. Right? They swipe in, and they do as little as possible because they know the company doesn't care about them, and they don't care about the company, right? And so I think we're, we're in a point of transition from that industrial model of having a job to a digital model of doing work, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why I started thinking about for my students. How do I prepare my students for a world where they're going to have to do work? They're going to be their own business. They're going to be their own brand, right? I'm not a businessman. I'm a business, you know, right? <laughs> I'm a businessman, <laughs> right? Yeah. That whole thing. Yeah. This episode of Cryptology Podcast is sponsored by the good folks at Socially Driven. Excuse me, hashtag Socially Driven. They're a digital marketing and social media management company. So if you have a brand out there that's trying to extend its reach, you have a, a business, anything like that that needs to get its presence up on social media, you could definitely check out hashtag Socially Driven. Their website is hashtag so driven.com uh, you can follow on instagram and twitter hashtag so driven.com so check them out it's funny right because um when as i make a lot of fun of of the whole influencer and, and yeah right but you know what it's only going to get bigger yep um i recently spoke to a client of mine who's a pretty well-known person and we're trying to get her so she has about 8 million followers and we're trying to get her actually at the behest of the digital I'm sorry of the uh the corporations that want to market through her to like empower other like what they call micro influencers yeah. right because they actually get more engagement because it's kind of human nature right like if you're if you have 5 million followers the 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 ability for me to interact with you lowest common denominator right but if if i know elgin has five thousand he's more likely to interact with me right and if he's wearing the same cool shit that you are i'm gonna go over there so now what's happening they're like wait a minute we want it all right so yeah we're gonna get you because you're gonna post it and most people are gonna see it but we're also gonna get you because people are gonna actually interact with you Mm -hmm. and you're gonna like hey yeah you know i got these and they fit great you know or whatever right the micro influencer is creating more call to action yes yes absolutely so so you're really hitting on on it from that aspect right because people obviously again people are not just interacting on frivolous, you know, not frivolous, but you know, not just music and stuff. But people are really like talking about actual beneficial things. Like there is someone th- that we've had on the show who's got six thousand followers who interacts about Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, right? So, yeah. so there's a way to really kind of shift that mode. And like you said, now people are are doing that, and through the Bitcoin, you avoid some of the the pitfalls that you're seeing now, like. PayPal might lock your account or, yep. or because Sovereignty, suspicious right? stuff or eBay or whoever or whatever you're pushing or Instagram, they don't like what you're doing. But if you take that power away from them, you know, and, and you, you have your, your, your payment processes because that's really what it all comes down to, yep. right? On the blockchain, there's no way for them to stop anything that you're doing. It's this tipping point. In chaos theory, there are these moments where things break and they mm-hmm. either go one way or the other, Right. right? 
we're at that point. We're yeah. either going to break toward Libra, and then, you know, corporate culture is not a democracy. No. Right? That's It's autocratic it's in nature. It is yeah. a dictatorship in mm -hmm. nature. That's mm -hmm. right. Right? And why are they going to go that way? And they track us and control us and manipulate us mm -hmm. to make more money. That's, right. They're out to make more money. Can't hold that against them. They're not out to, for evil, but they're out right. to make more money. Yes. Or we're going to go toward this decentralized model. And I'm not sure which way it's going to go, but I think that educating the next generation of high school students to be digital native, to understand how their attention is their value proposition. Absolutely. Right? It's not it's money the attention anymore. economy. It's the attention economy. Absolutely. So what, what does education look like? Mindfulness, meditation, right? If you're going to get control of your, of, of your attention, what does that mean? It means yeah. education. If information is the new oil, mm -hmm. it means education. I grew up in Chicago. Right. And there was this, I don't, I've never been able to prove, to, to find evidence of this, but when I grew up in the Chicago public schools, there was a story that the schools were funded. You know, in Chicago, the downtown is the loop, you know? Yes. That? Mm -hmm. The loop, right? All the big buildings. The loop area, all that real estate went to the Department of Education. All those big buildings, all that rent went to the Department of Education. Now, supposedly in the 20s or 30s, the mafia, three families now own it all. So I think in the 20s or 30s, somehow the mafia got it all. Mm -hmm. um, but if that's true, this is what I'm talking about is basically the same thing. Build the economy so that it is funding education because educating people is good for the digital economy. Right. right? And it's good for Bitcoin. The next generation of Bitcoin supporters, the next generation of Bitcoin engineers, the next mm -hmm. generation of people that advocate for laws to support sovereign wealth right. Right? Um, or, or sovereign control of your mm -hmm. money. Um, and so I have this idea of a side chain from Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So Bitcoin right now is a network. It's not a right. platform, right? Mm -hmm. Facebook's a platform because they can give away something on one network. A, net, a platform is multiple networks tied together with some um, app, right? So they can give away one thing to charge for another thing. Sure. Right. So what I'm saying is, what if Bitcoin became a platform? So how would that work? They give away digital cash, instant, fast. They charge the miners to have digital cash that's ownerless, countryless, so it spreads fast around the planet. There's no friction to it. And then settlement, anything over $500 a day has to go onto Bitcoin. So cash registers or people that want to move big money, all that has to go onto Bitcoin. So the Bitcoin miners get a lot more mining fees because mm -hmm. everybody's settling. If you can get this cash to go widespread, everybody's selling on Bitcoin. So you give the cash away for free, but then if people are using the cash, everybody has to settle their accounts overnight on Bitcoin. Bitcoin's slow and expensive. That's okay. As long as it's by the next morning, they can open right. their cash register again. You know, you have 12 hours to settle accounts. That's, mm -hmm. Bitcoin can handle that. And right. since, since it's global, everyone has, to, has the ability to settle. Right. So then what if new cash is, so how do you produce new cash? Right now, our government, 54 cents on the dollar goes to the military mm -hmm. when we print new money. Mm -hmm. Right, it runs because they need to give big chunks out, so they give it to these big contractors. Well, what if you gave new money out in the wallets of high school grads as a basic income? So when you need to print money, you're printing money as a basic income into high school grads, not, not just any high school grads, high school grads that have gone above and beyond their high school diploma to show that they are digital native experts. They know how to podcast, they know how to make videos, they know about attention economy, they know about surveillance capitalism, right? They show that they, are, they know about all that stuff, so we're gonna give them some money to give them a cushion to invent some new shit, mm -hmm. to make right. some new podcasts, right? right? So it helps the digital economy, helps us shift to the digital economy, helps them teach us, teach their family, teach their community about the digital economy, and they get a basic income for it. Mm -hmm. Right. For Bitcoin also, that would be good PR. And you're going to tell me this money is free. It's owned by nobody. Nobody controls it. And it helps global education. Who right. wouldn't use that money? See, I, I totally agree with you. Right. Because I think that what is also happening and I think is happening worldwide is that, again, people are people are starting to understand what we've just been discussing that 
information isn't education, mm-hmm. yep. you know, unless it's acted upon. And and I think with technology, more and more people can start acting upon. Right? Like you, you're looking at um, you're looking at the protests in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. You're looking at protests in Indonesia. Right? People are starting to get the information about hey, these leaders are corrupt or this is not working for us. Right? Yeah. And then they're 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 able to synthesize that information and say, okay, this is this is what kind of action we want to take in response to that. Most of the time, it starts off they're getting in the streets, but how are they getting in the streets? They're using these platforms. Yeah. They're using WhatsApp or they're using other means of digital communication to to spread that, to educate each other about you know whether it's you know this law or that law or even you know how to get into the streets and say, oh, you know, if you're going to, uh, I saw one of the protesters like if if they're shooting. What is it? Tear gas. You do this other thing. You know, like they're they're educating each other on how to protest more efficiently, yep. so that the government just can't come in and crack it down in like what they usually do in like seventy two hours or yep. or a week or whatever. I mean, this has been going on for a long time now. You know, yep. so it, it. I I think you're you're definitely on to something there. That that's going to be. I what heard gets Mark Andreessen on a podcast today, and somebody was asking, "Is this going to be good for American economy?" It's a that question is an industrial era question because the next superpower is not going to be a country. It's going to mm. be a company. Mm-hmm. It might be Bitcoin. It might be a decentralized company. But the next superpower, right, if, if Libra came out, Facebook has more users than any country has citizens. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's no longer, it's, it's no longer going to be which country is it good for. It's we're global, right? right? The borders have already, we've already erased the borders. Well, the world is flat. Right. Exactly. Um, and so the question is, what is that? What is that company going to look like? And it's yeah. up to our high school kids graduating high school now. Or is it going to be Skynet? Right. Well, exactly. I mean, see, exactly. But see, here's the thing, right? Um, I forget. I always. I need to figure out the name. I need to find the name. But there was an Italian economist years ago who said that we're already in the era that he forecast. Then he said, "What we're going to have is just uh, sovereign states, but we're going to have sovereign corporations." Yeah that are usurping nation states because they're just bigger. And, and it's going to be about capital, right? Because we're in a capitalist world, right, for the most part. And that's where we're at now. So I think it's even more important that, that kids are educated because the politicians now, they don't even know what the hell's going on. You know, yeah. like you saw some of the hearings. They don't even know, you know, one guy didn't know what an iPhone was or, or didn't, you know, he had to get a page. to. They were asking the stupidest questions. Yep. And so... If we don't, if we don't have the ability to equip kids now, we're going to get politicians, you know, 10, 20 years from now, who who are supposed to quote unquote run a society or create legislation, laws, oversight, whatever, over things that they have no clue about. Yep, absolutely. And kids know that. Schools. I mean, forget about government. Right. right? What they interact with, the mm-hmm. government they interact with is me, the principal. Right. right? And they know that I'm corrupt. Mm-hmm. Right. They know that my school is hurting them, not helping them. They right. know that they're not learning shit that's going to help them. Right. Right. Well, what do you think it is about the education, the world of education where, you know, it's been the same. If you went to school today, sixth grade, right? Yep. So you're going to sixth grade, 12th grade, ninth grade, whatever grade it is today, yep. 2019. Versus 1950, yep. it's essentially the same education. You know, the history years. books are updated, right? Barely. But in terms of the style of learning and what you're learning and the tools of life, yep. you know, there, there's. What do you think it's it about is about to change? We're right at that. So th- that was 
that system education was amazing. It, mm -hmm. it got us, I mean, high school didn't exist before the system education, right? It got us all reading and writing. It right. got us to be able to process information. Information was education for the industrial age because you need to learn how to read manuals and keep figures and keep books, right? So the system was great as long as the industrial economy dominated. The industrial economy is coming to its knees, right? The right. biggest companies in the world are these platforms. They're not right. the industrial what giants. It's already economy? happened, right? Yeah, right? So the digital, the, so the new digital education is now being born right as we speak. And I think it has to do with, 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 in the next two years, this play for digital cash. I think they're totally linked. Mm -hmm. How we design digital cash matters. And I think linking it to education because education is the foundation of an attention economy. Mm -hmm. So it hasn't changed because the industrial economy hasn't changed, right? right. Ha get a job so you can buy crap, Mm -hmm. So you can make more jobs that make crap, mm -hmm. right? So more people can buy crap. That's the jobs loop. That's what went around and around and around. That's not the loop that's working anymore. Now no. it's about sharing resources, right? It's about, um, it's a work loop now, mm -hmm. not a jobs loop. Now where you go punch into a job and, and, and make crap mm -hmm. and so you can buy crap. Mm -hmm. Now it's a work loop where you make podcasts or you make videos or you even right. play video games. You ship product, you make a product. The quality of your product is what you live or die by. Right. You get feedback that lets you imp inform the product. And that cycle of the work loop is what's driving the new economy and has to drive the new model of education. Now, we can't disrupt education from inside education. I've, I can tell you that. It won't happen. They won't change. If Uber needed to ask the taxi companies for permission to, to run, happened. it would have never happened. Right. So the only way to do it is to change the dynamics, to change the influence, the incentives that drive education so that suddenly things are pulling them that they can't help. So that's what I'm talking about. That's one of the repercussions of just this weird mundane fact of putting credits on a blockchain. What happens is if you then have this blockchain gold standard, just like Bitcoin is a gold standard, you have a gold standard credit. All the colleges recognize this is the best credit you can get. This is better than an AP exam. And instead of an AP exam where you fill in in bubbles, this is made by kids producing videos and any one of the credits that the college has in the transcript, they can click and see the videos. They can check to see how good the quality of work is. It's mm -hmm. all about the quality of student work being produced. That's it. That's the only thing being measured on these transcripts. The colleges accept it and say these credits are worth more than anything. This is digital native credits. These things are the most valuable. So then parents are like, yo, schools, I want my kids to get these credits. So, right. so are you saying the difference between these credits and traditional credits, traditional credits are just a score. So if I looked up your, your, your credits or your... Your uh, GPA, right? I, I, it's just a 3.0, right? It's worse than that. Right. Because no, if you look at my GPA from Harlem, Harlem Renaissance High School versus Stuyvesant High School, it's a totally different but, number. But, but I want to make sure I'm understanding you correctly. Yeah. So, because you said you can actually look at the content, yeah. right? Right. So as opposed to just looking at a score, yes. I can maybe look at a score, but also understand how, why is it that score? What created that score? More than just right. looking at a number. So it's project based. It's not test based. It's not you're not getting giving a number because of filling in bubbles. The kids did or work and produced media. Right or right. sitting in a class even more. Right. And so the, so the college, there's a QR code. If scan your phone, watch the video. If it's digital, you click on it, you watch the video. The colleges can see the actual work product that was put on the blockchain. So it's a tangible score. That's right. So it's a so, digitally tangible. It's digital so, is tangible. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's really fascinating. I think that would scare a lot of people that are in the education program because all of a sudden they're accountable. Right. So 
there, there are different layers to learning. There's a foundational content layer that's the information. You need, the, you need to know the facts. You need to know the basic mechanics of things, right? Then there's an application layer where you're asking questions, you're playing with it, you're kind of first trying, trying these out. Then there's an extension layer. Our schools are doing the basic first two layers, the information and then you know, the, the, the flashcards, and then maybe writing some essays or doing some questions. This is going above and beyond. So this is competing more with AP exams, mm-hmm. right? AP exams, you're going above and beyond what normal high school does. Right. And that's why people do it, because they want to get into good colleges. The only difference is here, at, at the way system right now, you have to be in a good elementary school to become in a good middle school to get into a good high school to get the AP exam. I've, if you wake up at 16 and suddenly realize that you're serious about college, you're screwed. It's too late. Right. These credits are just as good no matter what school you're in. If you make one of these podcasts that's of this quality, it's accepted out, you get one of these credits. So anybody can get these credits. It democratizes the credits. At any point, you want to produce something of quality and you have good audio quality, good, you know, all the pieces of high quality media are in there and the content, you did the research, you did the writing, you did, you know, you do the whole thing, you can get one of these credits. So, so just want your opinion on something because it seems like traditional model of education is education through repetition, right? You read something, practice quiz, read it again, final quiz, okay, I memorized the thing, so what? Right. I've always felt that the best way of educating is not through repetition, but through engagement. Amen. Right? And it, and it sounds like that, the, your model fuels engagement, you know? Right, right. I think in the old model, information is what you learned. In the new model, habits are what you learn. If you're right. not building habits... What kind of learning is it? You're right. going to forget it. The only thing you remember is ha- so it's engage- that's engage- that's doing. You know, they say you got to do it ten thousand times to build a habit, right? right? That's learning. So I totally agree with them. I'm looking for this um, quote here from Harvard Business School. Here, so there's two Harvard Business School. Um, Rethinking the MBA, this is the title of an article in, in mm-hmm. 2010, mm-hmm. Business Education at a Crossroads, published by Harvard Business Press. The authors argued that building judgment and tuition into messy, unstructured situations, that's a quote, is a major unmet need of MBA. So they're saying in college, kids only know right and wrong answers, multiple choice. They don't know right. how to deal with something and have an opinion and fight for it. They haven't learned that. Messy, the real world is like that. Right. But our movies and our textbooks are all about leading to a test where you can have right answers. Right. The real world doesn't have right answers. It has good thinking. It has crap thinking. Right? right? Well, it has authenticity, inauthentic. And we can tell it, but I can't tell you how to be authentic, but yeah. I can tell if you're being it. So it's, it's we like talk, a, we, sorry, I'm not going to keep cutting yeah. you off, but we always talk about here, and it's always the thing that I talk about is pivoting in life, right? Yeah. And I yeah. feel like schooling is a start to finish process, pass or fail process. Mm-hmm. And it totally neglects, pa- the neglects the pivot. Which is the key to life. Which is the key to life. Because, because yeah. he talked about the pivot. The it pivot. crushes the pivot, you right? Know? Right. Yeah. And, and I've pivoted. You know, like, the, the truth of the matter is, it's, it sounds really crazy, um, and I can't even believe I'm saying this, but the best thing that happened to me was, was losing everything. Because it made me find out who I really was. Mm-hmm. And I would never want to be the guy that, that had all that. I don't want to be that guy anymore, you know? But it sounds crazy. And, and you know, when people say it, it's you're like, crazy. oh, you're lying. You know, you know, like when I used to say it, it's like, oh, this guy's lying. But it's really true because you, you find out your authentic self, right? Yeah. And from that moment on, what you also start to do, you start to only associated with other authentic people because like you said right what you recognize in yourself 
yeah. you then start to recognize others. And then there, there are certain people that you just can't be around anymore. Yeah. You know, not, it's nothing personal. It's just like, man, you know, I, I'm just not that person anymore, right? And and that's what we need to teach people because that also that also impacts your judgment in in business because business is really we've 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 actually got it wrong. We say business is about the numbers, but business is about the people. Shipping product. Yeah, business is about the people and, and, and the product, right? But how do you get that? You get that with the people. Like, yeah. you know, and, and that's what we need to start teaching. And there, there, there's been many people who, who've said that they don't like MBAs. Yeah. You know that they that they don't really respect what they do because they're just numbers guys. Yeah. They're just Excel people guys. People say there are no stupid questions. Right. There are stupid questions on standardized tests. Yes. They're all stupid questions. Yes. Right? Amen yes. That. Right? That's yes. that's where all the stupid questions are. And that's, that's how we're evaluating. Go to live. So, right? <laughs> so let me ask you a question because, you know, I've listened to your talk and I'm, I'm replaying some of the conversation in my mind because that's just one of my ways of doing interviews. But um, I've heard you talk about digital currency, talked about Libra. Mm. And, you know, obviously I feel like you're heavily invested in this idea of a, a digital currency do you think, and I feel like when there's something that changes the world, there's the spark and there's the flame, right? Mm. And the spark doesn't necessarily have to be the thing that changes the world, but it it birthed the flame that does. Yep. Do you think Bitcoin is the spark or the flame? Um, I'm not sure if I fully get the spark or flame. I think Bitcoin is the uh, foundation. It's Bitcoin is Linux. Mm -hmm. mm. Right? Yeah. Linux took 10 years, but now Linux is what the whole internet runs on, mm -hmm. right? And it's open source. And it's, so it's, it's the thing that everything is going to run on. It's the protocol. It's maybe, maybe it's like TCP IP too. Um, it's, the, it's the foundation that everything is going to get built on top of. It's the most solid thing. Right. Um, and so is it, I think it is the gas that's mm -hmm. waiting for the spark. Gotcha. Right, it's that gas that's going to fill the whole space up, and then we're going to need one spark, which I think is going to be education. Mm. Right, I think, I think if we empower the next generation of youth to make products rather than fill in bubbles that have right answers, mm -hmm. and they start thinking about complicated things, because kids think, you know, I'm very selfish. I the people are always like, oh, you teach these kids that are coming out of incarceration and kicked out of other schools and. Those are the kids that teach me that I, if I worked with a bunch of rich white kids, mm -hmm. I would pull my face off. You know, <laughs> I, I just would be bored and I would hate them because right. I have and I feel bad about that, that I kind of discriminate that way. But I really would be like disgusted by them and their opportunity and their privilege. And they don't know it. They're young idiots. You know, like I would just roll my eyes all day at them. <laughs> These kids teach me because they know the world in a way that I never will because I have such privilege. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, it's what you were saying. These right. kids have been through it from a young yeah. age. Yeah. You know, the girl that is living with me now, who I'm, who, who's the mother of my foster daughter, you know, was kicked out at seven, was incarcerated until 17. Like, it's a kid. Right. You know, one yeah. of the social workers at the school was just telling me, she had this kid that everybody was like, this is a bad kid. This kid is the bad kid. Right. Right. And she first meets him. She's like, so when did you become bad? Was it like a Tuesday? <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? And she was like, no, when did you, you know, think back? And so he starts thinking back. He'd been in 12 homeless shelters. He was seven years old. Yeah. And that's when he started acting out. Sure. And so suddenly he was like, holy shit, how dare people call me the bad kid? I'm a seven-year-old. You know, now he's 16, 17. Right. He got so angry that people were forwarding that narrative of him as a bad kid. Right. When all that happened is he was a seven-year-old that was homeless. Right. You know? 
And so that those kids that have been through that, they know something about life that I don't know because I have privilege and they teach me. And that's why I work with them is because they've got the, they've got right. the juice, you know. So that that that's kind of a good segue into the whole topic that we kind of talked about at the coffee yeah. shop, which was diversity and inclusion, right? Yes. Um, We're at the right place. I think, you know, personally, I, I think that, um, and I've been known to say this on Twitter, I think f- now, for now, um, as it stands, for the most part, diversity and inclusion is just really a, a it's surface level, right? Because, because again... That's being generous. <laughs> right. It's, uh, very generous, right? And I, And... It's service level, but in my opinion, if you're not diverse and inclusive at the level where decisions get made, where money gets made, where policy gets made, where product gets made, then you can't be, you can't then say, oh, you know, we've done all that and here's this person, you know, that's that's gonna be diverse and inclusive. Yeah. It's this know? whole other side of learning. Yeah. How can you claim you're educating kids if they don't have right. contacts with people that are different than them? Right. How can you claim your child who's in a school with a bunch of children that look just like him or her right. and call that education, how right. that's right. malpractice? Right. And how can you be a, be a parent and feel like you're educating your kid when they're not exposed to anybody that's not like you? What kind of a, like they're going to be dealing with these people and they need to know like it, it I can't believe all these white parents that are scared of integrate like what what planet I mean I just don't get how they think so with kind of the repercussion of putting high school credits on a blockchain what does that have to do with diversity right. and how does that change the incentives to drive diversity it's real simple it's a smart contract what you say is I'm going to issue these basic incomes proportional to the demographic statistics in your city. So let's just take it, do easy, men, women. Let's say there's 40% women, 60% men. Right. 40% of the awards will go to women, 60% of the awards go to men. So if men are getting the, you know, doing, making these podcasts more, you know, and they, they produce 10 of them, and there's only four girls, well, two of them aren't going to get the award. They're going to have to help the girls get some more. Right. Because if they're going to, you know, so, so you have to get, you have to grow the whole pie to get more awards. And so just by that simple thing, you lock it in to say the awards every year for a basic income for life will only be issued proportional to the demographics. So you have to get all the demographics um, to earn the credits now. So then you'll be competing in a market of people that are like you, right. however you define those demographics. Right. So if there are a lot of white people that have video studios and their parents are paying for you know digital native tutors, <laughs> right. right? they'll be competing against each other and it'll be really hard to get the award. And right. they don't really care that much about it because they've got money. But if you're in a poor neighborhood where you have no access to video camera other than what's on your phone, but there's only two people that apply for these credits, you'll get the credit with almost no work because there's no competition in the space. And the white people need you to get some award because that helps them get the award, right? Mm -hmm. So by changing those dynamics, then people only compete within their demographic, right? Now, if the biggest problem that that system could have is what if a bunch of people from poor neighborhoods start applying for these credits and getting these credits and could be, well... That's a good problem to have. It means a lot. They're educating themselves in these project-based AP exams and right. earning them, and that means we got education going through the roof. Even if not as many of them are getting the basic income, right. they're educating themselves. So that's right. a good problem to have. Right, and that's also a way because that reminds me, what you just said. What you're really also doing is kind of giving people the ability to showcase themselves for employment because now a lot of the big tech companies are saying, "Look, listen, I really care if you went to Columbia or NYU yep. or or you know, University of Rhode Island." Who gives a shit? But I care that you can do this. Yep. And so now you have all these kids actually doing shit. And the companies are like, oh, wait, you know what? You can do stuff. We need you. 
right? Because they're also having a problem, right? Because the thing is, if you have if you have consumers that feel like they're not represented in what you're offering, eventually you're going to face a backlash, yeah. right? Or they're going to leave you and go over here. You, you don't know? want to hire a consumer, right? You want to hire a producer. You want to hire a creator, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yeah. right? Right. That's what I'm saying. So you want you want to have creators creating. Because that that incentivizes them, right. right? But it also helps you, because you're you're getting to 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 utilize their creation on whatever platform you have. Yep. And creation's a great form of education. Absolutely. It's the only form. Yeah. Yeah. You were saying that the the system might be threatened by this. Students are going right. to be threatened by this too. Because if you think right. about it, right now they think of themselves as customers, especially in college. I'm right. paying a tuition that right. makes me the customer. Right. The customer is always right. So give me a credit without doing very little work because I'm lazy. Right. right. If you flip this. Right. And now you're saying, wait, wait, I'm not the customer anymore. Suddenly you have an opportunity to learn because you're coming in and saying, hey, teach me. I'm not, I'm not always right. I also, I also say all the time, and this is, there's always exceptions to the rule, and it depends what you're ultimately going to study. But I believe a majority of the people go into college and don't come out any more educated than, than they were when they went in. You know, speaking generally, right? So, but, Absolutely. And, and what people are paying for is not what they're learning there unless they have a direct idea of what they want to do. Like if you're going to, into robotics or yeah. you're going to want to be a doctor or a lawyer, yeah. right? These are things obviously you have to learn. But you're so many people go and not knowing what they want to do. But they're paying for the network yeah. of the school. That's right. You're not what you're learning at the school. you know. Yeah. And, I, and I think this is an opportunity to change that narrative. Absolutely. You know, because I'm someone that, you know, Dutch went to college. I did not right. go to college. Not because I didn't want to. I was just not fortunate enough to have that opportunity because yeah. I had to take care of myself. I you were was, doing real learning. Yeah, I was doing real life learning. But, you know, like I said, my job, I had people who went to very prestigious colleges that answer to me. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, and, and so I have a degree in life. That's right. Um, but I know you have switching gears a little bit and we'll come back to the educational part. And it sounds like maybe this book is tied into that, though. Yeah. I, so you you wrote a book. Yeah. Okay. Is the book available now, or is it in the process of being produced? It's being edited right now, so December so publication. So let's talk about the book. For yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and and what's it called? What is it about loosely, and what was the inspiration yeah. for it? So it's called The Big, B-I-G is Basic Income Guarantee. So The Big, the website is thebig.net, T-H-E-B-I-G. It's called The Big, an Educator's Manifesto for Bitcoin Adoption. Did you ever think of just calling it like the Notorious Big? Right, exactly. <laughs> and that title might change. My, when the editors do their editing, they think of better titles maybe. But the website is thebig.net. Um, that's probably not going to change. Uh-huh. And so I, I went to, my wife's Japanese, we went and the lived in Japan. Is for BIG is? Basic Income Guarantee. Gotcha. Go ahead. Um, Sorry. So it's a, you're right, thousand bucks in your wallet every month for the rest of your life. Um, that gives you a cushion so that you can learn the things that nobody else is available to teach you in life, mm-hmm. right? Um, and make something. Um, and it's about the history and the point we are in, um, you know, what I've been talking about, the difference between work and having a job. That's one of the big distinctions. Mm-hmm. Um, digital versus um, the industrial modes of production and distribution and consumption. Um, and then the uh, kind of the inversion that's happening in the economy. Why, how can a company that like Google that gives away everything for free make money? And I kind of go into explaining that and how our attention is being monetized and then um, end with these um, digital native academic credits and how they would work. And the, there's a chapter on the diversity that we just talked about. Um, 
writing a book is frustrating, especially in a, in a space like Bitcoin, because things move so fast yes. that while the editors are editing, I feel like it's out of date, you know. Right. <laughs> but as you know, as of uh, when it went into editing last month, it's it was up to date then, and I'll have to write a prologue or something to tag yeah. on the end. Um, but my intention is to use the book to get on podcasts like this to reach people so that yeah. these digital native credits are built. And more importantly, that the people that are designing digital cash, it's happening right now. Two years from now, it's going to be too late. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. To, I want the people that are designing digital cash to be hearing these ideas and be thinking about it and say, oh, snap, what if we do tie the inflation of new cash, because new cash won't be like Bitcoin, it'll be inflationary. There will be a certain percentage of new cash that's produced every year, because you need, if you don't have enough bills to transact, you can't use it as cash. Right. Um, and it'll be free and it'll be instant, um, and the wallets will have small value and you won't be able to do big transactions on them, right? So I, I really just want to get the word out, and I'd like to start building this building this thing. I spoke at a conference this weekend, the Government Blockchain Association Conference, which was amazing. Um, Right and starting, I'm starting to build a team. Like I've already right. got a guy. Like I've got a few people. Right. Um, so it's not about the book, and it's not about me. And if somebody else, um, you know, I, I said this, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I just want this to get created, and I don't want it to be where my money comes from. I love being a principal, and I don't want this to be linked financially. I want this to be so that I can release in the wild and be free and open source and decentralized. Right. right. Um, and and disrupt. I want to disrupt high school education. I want these new credits to exist that people are hungry to get. Mm -hmm. um, that then our schools start having to respond to that demand. Um, and, and instead of, imagine if every AP exam, kids, kids could either take the AP test and take the AP course, or they could work toward one of these credits where they're producing videos and podcasts, right? Mm -hmm. And it starts, like, imagine this. Every kid turns in a video or a podcast to get a credit, right? You suddenly have this database of youth voices. Mm -hmm. Right. The media companies are all strapped for cash. They have right. free media. So right. suddenly youth voices are gonna enter into all of our media because it's cheap, High quality, already screened. The teachers only let on the good stuff because right. it's not worth the credit. And they say do right. another version if it's not good enough. Right. So, so there are all these repercussions of just this one mundane change of putting credits on a blight. Such a simple, like kind of paperworky, kind of administrative, weird thing. Mm -hmm. But it ripples out yeah. in these ways that suddenly we have our high schools becoming the local media stations for each community, telling the stories from that high school and. Fox News or CNN, whatever you listen to, says, hey, I want I want a story that's this many minutes that's structured like this about whatever, about the environment. Right. And boom, all the all the high schools go and produce it, and the kids get credit in exchange, and their voices end up on the website, and every, every CNN will have a tab that says Youth Voice Tab, and all the content from the high schools will be showing up there. So it's mm. interesting you said it, right, because I was riding my bike today to the cafe, and I drove by, and I drove by, I rode by. Um, Speaking of bikes, somebody stole my bike seat. Man, you hate to see it. City bike. Do That's, city bike. Yeah, 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 yeah. They'll steal that, too. So it's a school on uh, 120th and um, uh, Madison. Okay. And I was riding my bike. Just and it just kind of Garvey there? Yeah. School? Okay. It kind of just hit me. I was like, man, we really just take kids, send them into these buildings, right? And then, like, leave them there. We're hurting and, them. Yeah, and... and and it just hit me. I was like, "Teach!" I was like, "Teachers are really amazing because teachers are, you know, like it's just such a crazy process when you think about it." Right. So that was one thought. Teachers are protecting our kids. I don't mean teachers are hurting our kids because they're the only ones that quietly in their in their classrooms are doing the right thing. Right. It's the it's the system. Right. Yeah. It's the it's the, it's the bureaucracy. Right. And then the second thought that that I um, realized just now that that came to me. Now, building upon that is how 
we we are f in America and Western culture. We fetishize youth, but only for consumption. Not for it's not a it's not a two way street, right? So we don't really want to hear what kids have to say, right? Unless it serves whatever purpose we have, which is to sell some shit, right? Right. Or create something cool that we can right. then take and sell to someone else, right? But beyond that, we're not interested in what they think, you know, what 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 they want, what what, you know, we're we're really just sort of telling them like, hey, we're gonna kick this can down the road, and then because it's the industrial model, we're machines. Yeah. We're either ta we were taking care of machines when the yeah. machines were big and needed us to take care of them, and then we were kind of we became machines, <laughs> and you know, right? You punch yeah. in and do your little cog in the wheel kind of thing. Um, and that's now changed. That's starting to break up, right? It doesn't yes. work anymore. And now everybody's temporary labor. Everybody's, you know, human, all the jobs human, have been, yeah. Humans are obsolete. No, we're not obsolete. No, but that's how they're treated. Right. Well, because I think. Not to cut you right. off, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, it's, it's, it's funny because what I actually think is, and I'm sure you've seen this. Have you seen a Jack Ma talk? Jack uh, Ma, On no. Bloomberg. So no. he gave a talk and he said, listen. We got to stop teaching kids this shit that a computer can do. Yeah. We got to talk about what you're talking about. There, He said, because even the most sophisticated computer won't ever be able to recreate or create the way a human can. It might look the same, but it won't be the same. And that'll be the most valuable thing that we can teach kids. right? He said, we, start to, we should start teaching kids everything that a computer can't do. Which is going back to what we did before machines. It's right. not. This isn't some revolution. It's no, something new. No. This is a renaissance of what we did before yes. the machines came into the yes. picture and started messing with us. Yes. Right. <laughs> Telling stories, narratives, creating art, right. Creating culture. That's yes. what art, culture. Those are the things that don't have clear answers. No. That's where the real thinking that's happens. The, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's that's the real learning right. is engaging right. in that stuff. Right. And 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 a, a, a machine can't have empathy. Right. But you also right. also kind of doing that right and and doing like a obviously a version 2.0 of that so you combine the technology because those are useful tools to create this new way of learning which is really the old way of learning with more right. advanced right. methods and, and 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 tools and combine that with markets yes. i'm a big fan of markets of open course. markets Same. not right right because what we have now monopoly yeah right. our culture and is all about having monopoly it's interesting because i'm a huge capitalist and i tell people all the Amen. time this is not capitalism this right. is crony capitalism that's right and big government and big business yes. are the same thing. Yes. I don't get how we have Democrats and Republicans that think it's big government or big business. They're the same. Like, right. they're both this, yes. like, I'm against both of them. Yes. Right? I'm Absolutely. not I'm not for big government or for, like, they're no. both too big. Right. They're both too big to fail. Absolutely. And 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 what you're, it's funny because what you're advocating really is, is a, really like how it used to be where all of us kind of had to produce something and then you know it would be like if elgin is producing leather and i'm producing shoes and you're producing milk and he's right. producing weed and, and he's producing meat or whatever then we have to figure out a way to yeah you know kind of well, you know yeah well, what's interesting is when you say you said something a couple sentences ago about um revisiting a renaissance yeah right and and i kind of agree with you in the sense that you know i think of if you go back 1930, 1940s, 1950s, right? I feel like everyone's aspiration was to be a business owner. Right. Right. And 80s, yeah. 90s, it became very difficult to be a business owner because conglomerates yes. pushed you out the way. Yep. Yep. Right. With, but, with the help of politicians. But <laughs> that's right. 
But now you have this rebirth, and it's not so much in the physical business, but it's the technology business, right? Because you have all these people creating their own business, tech startups. Mm -hmm. Tech startups are the new mom-and-pop hardware stores, you know, the the mom-and-pop record shops, right? Those those businesses that were moved out the way, and everyone, I want to say in the 90s and early, maybe not 2000s, but coming out of high school in the 90s, it was get a job and work for someone, get a job and work for corporation or, you know, police officer, postal worker, get a pension, right? And and the idea of being a business owner kind of fell by the wayside. But I think you see that renaissance now through the form of technology and tech startups or, you know, direct to to consumer businesses where a guy might have his own clothing line. Or or own drink. Where you just don't need the corporation, right? You don't you don't need the Home Depot. Right. You don't yeah. need Walmart. Uber drivers, Airbnb, right. right? You know, so you're seeing I agree that you are seeing that renaissance yeah. and it's very encouraging to me. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think ownership is so important, right? Yeah. Because you can get out of high school today and be 18 years old. Maybe you figure out what you want to do at 23 or 25. Then all of a sudden you're 50, 60 years old, and depending on how you manage your money, you, you might be working forever. Right. Mm-hmm. So think about that model in venture capital. What is venture capital, right? Guys have a lot of money, and they mm-hmm. want to invest that money to create companies. Right. What does venture capital look like in the digital world? You take that money, and you invest in individuals. Right. Right. It's called income sharing agreements. You see somebody, right? You, arbit, arbitrage is when you find something that's mis, misplaced in the market, mm-hmm. mispriced in the market, and then you bring it to another market for more money at the same time. Right. You find a human being that's in the market, you see more potential in them, and say, hey, I'm going to give you a little bit of money to get a little bit of education. You get a better job. I get 13% of that for the first five years. Mm-hmm. You're going to make much more money than investing in these startups that 90 plus percent of them die because you know, 90 plus percent of these people that you invest in are going to do well by you, mm-hmm. right? It's such a better value proposition when individual, when we, people work for themselves. Between 2005 and 2015, 94% of jobs created, new jobs created, were contract or temporary. Mm-hmm. That's according to Princeton study. Isn't that insane? Right. 94%. Right now, 40% of Americans work in contract, basically for themselves, contract right. or temporary employment. And yeah. that's just growing, right? We are our own brands. Right. That's happened it's over, <laughs> and now we just need to deal with that reality, right. educate for that reality, and invest in that reality so that when you see somebody that's got potential, you can make money off them because be like, yo, I'm going to invest in you because I know you can make a lot more money than you're making right now. What, right. what, do, what do you think, though, about the, the newer generation's approach to working, right? Because I think our generation or my parents' generation, they, uh, what is the term? They, they live to work. Yeah. yeah. And today's generation works to live, right? Yep. And you see a lot of these companies, like you see, you know, working from home is right. huge right now, right? You know, having these companies where Remote. quality of life mm-hmm. within the, the, the office is, is such a huge play, you know. And um, traditionally, my parents maybe are, or Definitely even my us, yeah. we took we were we were taught to believe in stability, right? Where you right. get a job and and, yep. and you stay in that job 10, 20 years. Yep. Where now these younger people, it's like one year, two year. Okay, I, I need that. something else. You know, do you think that is sustainable and and the right way, or maybe it isn't right or wrong? But do you have an, an opinion on that? 
So I think that people, um, it's the, it's back to that distinction between having a job and doing work, right? Mm-hmm. You can have a job, but if you're on Facebook, you're doing work for Facebook, right? right? And so I think what you're, what you're talking about is there's a shift in context in how we look at, our parents are like, get a job. Right. You have to have a job. You have to clock in nine to five. You yes. got to have that job. I got that paycheck, get that steady, right? And the next generation is saying, well, I'm my own brand, right? I work for myself. And as long as you can ship quality product, as long as you can be producing, doing work, if you mm-hmm. think you're going to sit around and do nothing and make money, right, there's another thing coming because our education system hasn't caught up to. So we're in this funny place that okay. a lot of people want it, that, like that dream of having a job and doing nothing. They think that's quality of life. And when you mix those things up, then people say, wait, if I don't have a job, that's my mental well-being. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be. Well, no, it was doing work that makes you mentally well, not having a job. Because if you have a job and don't do anything, you feel like crap. You hate right. Sunday night. Like, that's no life. Work is what gives us value. And so I think shifting our attention to attention, to how we use our attention, if it's used productively, and we just have the kids haven't learned most, unless they're um, really independent and smart, haven't learned um, how to do work yet, right? We right. haven't learned the habits of being, um, of being good workers for our, you know, working for ourselves. So I, I'll, sorry, I know no, I keep fine. cutting you off. No. Just hold your thought. Yeah. So I believe that there's, a, and I'm listening to you talk, as I said, and I feel like you being in principle, right? Yeah. Sunday night, in my mind, you're not looking at Monday as work. You're looking mon- like Monday as your purpose. Oh yeah. I, and, and, and that's really the fucking trick to life. That's the cheat code, bro. Because yeah, if it. you can find your purpose and get compensated for it, you're not working. Yeah. You know, and, and right. I could listen to the way you talk. And these kids are your purpose. You know, so anyone that's listening to this, bro, like you got to find your purpose. Hopefully you can monetize your purpose. God damn, if our schools would help. How you many can. kids ask, how many get kids, be by the time they graduate high school, Almost nobody is asked what their purpose is. Right. Our schools should be, you should be talk, thinking about that all day at school every day. Mm-hmm. Right. What, what's more, like you said, what's more important than that? Right. Like if they did nothing else, then just like think about what, like what are you here for? What do right. you love? Right. And once kids, I see kids that are always in trouble with the law, having all these problems, then they take a welding class yeah. and suddenly see their future as a welder. Mm-hmm. Math is no problem. Nothing. They, they cruise through everything because they see the future. Then the kids that think, I'm just going to be locked up like the parent family members I knew, or I'm going to just struggle with money my whole life. Why would you work on math if the future you see is, is like that right. struggle? Right. And so, yeah, what you're saying is if you can imagine actually enjoying all of your life, even the making money part, mm-hmm. that's the secret. That's the golden that's ticket. The cheat code. And it's just in your head because the future is made up. Right. Right. But if you if somebody can teach you to make and what do teachers do other than invent futures? They're they're engineers of futures. They're inventors. What a what a what a gift they've got to be able to invent futures. But the problem is a lot of them don't do that. They see a kid. He's not going to be anything. Well, you just violated your job as a teacher by saying that you got to get that out of the way and believe in every goddamn one of them that they're going to be something. But the difference is you're a teacher, even though you're principal, you're a teacher. Teacher of teachers. Teacher is your purpose. Absolutely. For a lot of teachers, unfortunately, it's It's just work. It's a job. One out of 20, that's true for. 19 out of 20, it is their purpose. I think, so it's funny, right? Because today on on Twitter, um, at uh, 8.34 a.m., right after I woke up, I said, what does purpose look like to you? What Mm. does it mean? Because I think about that all the time, right? Um, I have this thing. 
I hate when people say I'm going to retire. Like I, a lot of younger guys would do say, oh, I'm going to do this and retire. I'm like, yo, you know what that means? I, my mother, who I'm looking, I said to him before the show started, I said, I got to move my mother out of Florida because I really believe like she's just there to die. Yeah. She doesn't think so, but I see it, right? And and people just move because, again, they've got her generation. She's in her 70s. It was just get a job and then do nothing. And that's what kills you, yep. doing nothing. Yep. People think, oh, I don't want to do anything. No. But the funny thing is when, when I went back to college, I realized, like, the people that are wealthy, right? Mm. Yeah, sure, they have money. But the reality was their parents, they were working, but they didn't call it. They, they were retired, right? But they didn't call it retirement. They were just doing what they always did. Which, and guess what they were doing? They were doing the shit that Jack Ma said we should do, which is they had relationships. They were yeah. like, oh, you know, you should meet this guy. I'm playing golf with this guy, and I'm talking about this, and I'm discussing IDs, right? And just discussion they're like oh you know we should do this thing and then all of a sudden this guy's like you know what i should give you some money to oh you know elgin can do that like all, right. and then all of a sudden you have a business right because you have a purpose right yeah so that is the key to everything finding that purpose right but what i wanted to say before elgin started talking is you're talking about brands and, and creating right you see all of these women who are makeup artists <laughs> right and they're on youtube right and Obviously, being older, I remember when I was a kid, right, doing makeup was like nobody did makeup because you had to know how to do it. You had to be professional. Like, women didn't really wear makeup. Mm. But now, right, with all of these um, makeup artists, right, they, they have a, what is the acronym, MUA or whatever, MAU or whatever, yeah. some, right? MUA, whatever, MUA, right? So I looked it up. And um, because one of my clients, I'm a consultant, one of my clients is, is a organic and natural beauty company. Mm. Do you know that the average woman, average, spends $4,800 on beauty products annually? Wow. And, you know, I, I need to find someone to look at this because I wonder how much the, the rise of YouTube is correlated to that number. Mm. I'm sure before it was already strong, but... There has to be some correlation. Yeah. I think the correlation, though, it probably accelerated the age of the demographic. Well, these are women. Mm. So I got to look at the demographic. Because if you think, though, high school, right? Yeah. High school, at least when I was in high school, girl mm. might have had some lipstick, right. maybe a little mascara, yeah. right? But, but now, production, contour, fucking right. no, but you know everything. No, but, but what I think, so here's what I think. I think that... It introduced beauty products younger. Yeah, that's what I'm I don't saying. Th but yes. I don't think that they're necessarily doing the full thing, right, to go to high school. But, but the, I think that they're. I think college is where it really started because I think college was kind of like, oh, you just roll out of bed and you know. You think there's a link between that and tattoos too? That's beauty. Absolutely, right? yeah, yeah. That's absolutely, yeah. Same no, industry. I think I think I think because, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I read somewhere that, that there's different ways people learn, right? Like, one is people, some people oh, yeah. hurt, learn better auditory, some people better. Right, visually. Yeah. Visually, right? But with, with technology, you combine both. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if you don't want to watch the YouTube, right, you can do something else and you listen to it. Yeah. And if you, or the other way around, right? Yeah. So so it, it, it gives both of those demographics the ability to learn on their own. And also gives you just to teach. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, literacy is no longer reading and writing, right? right? So, it's so, podcasting, it's right. So this, this YouTube is actually exactly what you're talking about. Literacy. Because, the, because and, and then to finish the story, a good friend of mine, um, I used to go to his house all the time and watch soccer. I'm a huge soccer fan. He lived on um, 
in Chelsea. I think on 20th and 10th or whatever. So his doorman, who I would talk to all, you know, I see him like, hey, what's up? And plus, you know, there's not that many black people there. So he would see me and I talked to him, right? Well, he just moved to L.A. because his girlfriend got hired by YouTube because she was doing all these damn makeup videos and wow. she was like blowing up. And they were like, yo, they have like a residency where they put these YouTube stars, right? And she moved there. So he's basically like her cameraman. That's, that's his job. He quit his job, right? And that's what you're talking about. Now, he's a guy from the Bronx, Dominican guy, right? His girlfriend's from the Bronx, like working class. Yeah. And look how that changed their lives. Yeah. You know, like she's making six figures. She's the future. That's what you we know? need to educate our young people right. to do. And it's exactly, you were talking about waking up this morning thinking about purpose. Yeah. And you're talking about, you know, having a job that you love is the golden ticket. Yeah. It's redefining what we think of as wealth. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? My wife and I used to joke that we are the real 1%, people that had a family that they love, a job that they loved, right? We love cooking together. Like, yeah. That's 1% of the population no, absolutely. that has that. And it's so much better than the 1% that has all the money. Because right. they're popping so pills people. and they're miserable. Yeah, and there's Listen, so many people that are miserable. You know money. what? Not that I, I swear wouldn't to God, some more. But. I, you're going to think I'm lying. I said the same shit to a friend of mine today. I said, you know what? I went to a great school. And I remember my friend, shout out to Abby. Irish girl from Boston, working class. Same type of background as me. And she said, you know, she said, you know, Raul, you think these people are... Because I didn't know. I was like, man, you know, that's, that's got to be great. She's like, these people these people hate life. Not all, but a lot. You start to see that that's true. Right? They have problems just like us. So it's it's not that their lives are better or worse. They're just, they're just human. They have human challenges, no, right? No, their lives are worse. The, money, the money covers it, right? <laughs> Objectively, so, their right, lives are worse but, because we're all after their money. And but, so they can't trust anybody. They, right. they don't have those human connections. Well, they don't. But here's so, the thing. But let me finish. Okay. So then the other thing, right? So that's one thing. But then the other thing I realized today, I was talking to a friend of mine. I said, you know what? I have like really close friends that are like very well off. I would never trade. Nope. I, I, I was never an envious person anyway, you know, so I never felt that way, but now I feel even more strong. Either way, Yo, the people that I'm don't have enough to live, me. that's yeah. once I don't want to be on that side. Yeah. People have way too much to live, don't want to be on yeah. that side. In the middle yeah. is where, right, where the sweet spot yeah. is. But I feel like a lot of people with a lot of money aren't happy because I think there's people that aren't happy with life. And they think money is going to fix their yes. happiness. Yes. And then when they get that money and they're, they're still, still unhappy. unhappy, they're like, what Crisis. the fuck do I do now? What is there to chase? Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's really going to make me happy? And the things that make you happy are what you said. You know, having family, right. people you love, spending time with people you love. You know, because, you know, as much mo- as money is great and I think, you know, I don't know, there's probably not anyone in this one that says they wouldn't mind having a little bit more. You know, maybe, maybe I don't know your situation. I wouldn't mind having a little bit more. Yep. I'm comfortable, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. mind having a little bit more. Yep. But, you know, I always say this to Dutch, and I think that's how we became good friends. I said, you know, the best thing about life is experience. Yes. Yeah. You know, and for me, I know, I want, I know I'm beyond the point of wanting money to buy things. But I want to be able to experience things, and I, I want I want a lot more money. I want to have enough money that I don't think about money. There it is, right? Yeah, right. yeah. It, I don't. Money should be the tool. That should be the thing. Drive. You know, it's like your car. I don't want to know about the engine. I just want to have right. a friend like you that has so much money. <laughs> right. That doesn't, doesn't need money. No, right. Exactly. Right, right. It's it's definitely like, I think. I do. Th- I mean, it's it's scientifically proven. There's like a sweet spot where, like, really, dude, like you you you. 
you really need more? Like money's like water. If it's if it stays still, it stagnates. It gets poisonous. Yeah. yeah. So money has to flow. Yes. If you have so much money that you can't have it flowing, you're gonna yeah. get sick. Yeah. Right. That's you know my business partner says he says it's like blood. It's like blood in the yeah. body. It has to circulate. Has yeah. to circulate. Yeah. So there's only so much money that I can circulate. Yeah. I'm not there yet. I need more. Right. Right. But there's gonna be a point where it starts piling up, and then it's yeah. like whoa. That's well, too much. What, right? what did Omar say in a wire though? Money doesn't have owners, yeah. just right. spenders. <laughs> Absolutely, um, you yeah. know. Um, yeah. So, one thing we got to ask you before we before we wrap out of here. Um, so, in terms of Bitcoin though, yeah. do you have in your mind like is there some where do you see Bitcoin in let's say a year from now? Do you think you know we're going to stay steady at the number we're at now and just have a little left left to right fluctuation, or do you think we're we're anywhere near having? You know, another run like 2017. Oh, I I think we're having another run. I mean, obviously, this isn't investment advice or anything no, like that. No, no, no. We're having another run at some point now. I don't know where it is, but like, w- w- yeah, sometimes soon. These are, these are the payment rails. You know, it's funny because if the economy goes south, Bitcoin could go south with it because it's one of those high risk investments people might freak out and pull out of. Mm-hmm. It's hard to tell if how smart people are. I mean, if if I you know I I think it's the smartest thing is to put it in Bitcoin, but you know. Gold sometimes does that when the economy crashes. Gold prices, right? Yeah. Sometimes because uh, people I don't, feel gold. Yeah, safe. I don't understand markets, um, so I can't predict them. But we got the happening coming. We have the Tokyo Olympics coming. I think that has something to do with it because Japan is this funny place where Tokyo is very digital, but the rest of Japan doesn't even take credit cards yet. Right. You know, and no, so it's very and, rural, people right? Don't know but they're going to yeah. have stadiums all over the country, and so they're they yeah. might skip over the credit card thing right. and jump right into the digital thing. I would hope so. Uh, and they might be pushing to do that by the Olympics, but mm-hmm. something. Um, and Asia is driving a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, high Korea people are yeah. just so easy. They're, you know, kind of a gambling culture uh, or a rush culture or something yeah. about, it. I don't know, Korean culture. Well, I'm speaking in, in stupidities right now, but um, I definitely think we're going, um, we're, 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 you know, we're going to hit 40,000 in short order. And um, yeah, I think a million dollar Bitcoin is where it's going to settle at in, you know, 10, 15 years. Yeah, well, I'm still doing the Bitcoin challenge, yes. even though we've been off the, off the air for a couple of weeks. Right. So we have a Bitcoin challenge we've been doing. I'm probably, I don't know what week I'm at, but I've, we set the listeners up where you take a, uh, a set figure that you can afford every week yeah. and just dollar cost exactly. average Bitcoin. Stack sets. So, yeah, so yeah. I've been doing myself Yeah, I wish I had a lot of money to dump into it so I could make it big when it goes big, but I don't. So I'm just in the game just to be in it. Right when I learned about Bitcoin, the Department of Education took six months pay away from me, took me off payroll for six Uh, months, and I had no money. So there goes savings. There goes savings. So it's right. So I was in the worst place to invest, but. Um, that's that's why I'm excited about technology for other things, for education, yeah. for other things. But I um, I definitely think um, people like us won't be interacting with Bitcoin in the future. It'll be the payment rail, so you'll have to be extremely wealthy or a big business to um, to settle accounts on Bitcoin, and we'll be dealing with some side chain that's built on top of it. Or mm-hmm. you know, even Lightning, I think, is going to be payment rails level stuff. I think we're going to build, and that's why we're. It's such an exciting time right now, right? Lightning's just getting built. I think that's going to be the settlement software. And then we're going to be able to get to digital cash. Where you know the, the developers aren't at digital cash yet, mm-hmm. and that's why Libra's out there. And every week there's a new corporation that's announcing another cash system. Right? JP it's like Morgan, every week, Jay, everybody, Goldman, all everybody, the, yeah. exactly. Amazon was talking. So about So it's happening yeah. right do, now. Do you believe that we'll ever be at a point where there is that paperless money is like seashells? Paper, paper money is like yeah. seashells. Do you think we'll be at that point ever? In our life, yeah. Oh, that's a good question. I mean, India kind of did it overnight, right? Um, but I don't know. It depends. Yeah, it's. I. I, I think it's possible. I mean, I'm. I think it is. I mean, because like I said, I think it's going to be within the next twenty years. I think wow. you know the thing that kept that kept paper money, 
you know, I think it could have went away a while ago with credit cards and banks and, and right. debit card and everything. The reason that paper money still existed was under the table dealings, right? right. Whether that was buying an illegal service or right. an illegal good or Anonymous, not want, or yeah. not wanting to report income for tax purposes. Right. I think cryptocurrency solves that problem. Right. Unfortunately. I will say that this jump is easier than that, right? The jump from gold to paper seems crazier to me. Crazy. Like, right. Crazy. How did we go from gold crazy. to the, you scribble on a checkbook yes. and that's money, right? Yeah. How did we I that's still if I didn't see that work a lot, I still would idea. not believe the checks would work. Like who right? was the first guy to be like, I'm comfortable with giving you all my gold in exchange for pieces of paper? Exactly. You exactly. Know, so. Right. So that leap was a bigger leap of faith. Yes. And we did that one. Mm-hmm. So we can do the one because we're already digital we do credit cards right. we're already digital I don't touch a paycheck yeah so it's already happened right and so you're saying when are we gonna it's like the wily coyotes we're off the cliff when are we gonna look down yeah. um, and then paper goes to nothing right and then people are like why do i even why am i carrying this crap right uh, maybe it's a generational thing a certain mm. number of people have to die and move yeah. on before you know, that, but but it could be in a couple you know i think you know my my daughter's generation she's nine now i think by the time she grows up yeah. she's not she's going to have no problem giving up money i think you'll have like you know dollar bills like framed in a house like this <laughs> yeah, this, right. this was money you know one I time i think i think um no one will believe it but one right. thing in america that we don't talk about a lot there's really a digital divide oh, yeah. we, we talk about it but we don't really think about it right because we're like oh poor people have cell phones yeah but what kind of phones do they have? What are they capable of? Like, you got to think about the encryption issue, the security issue. They're, you know, that they got to solve the that. The third world, including the third world that's inside of America, right? Right. right. Um, is going to skip credit cards because you need a bank right. account and all that. They're going to yeah. go right to digital. Yeah. But the thing is that once you make the unbanked, once you give them an opportunity to use their phones for, it's that's it. It's over, yeah. right? Then that's and they're the ones that pump the most money in the economy. You give the money, it goes right to the economy. They don't right. hold on to that because they because right? they can't afford to. Yeah, to, so to I think we, that's our chance of driving because we're in this transition and the, you know, the the business roundtable, the biggest CEOs of all the, just said, wait, businesses can't just be about the bottom line. Like, they're they realize their their numbers are dated as corporations, well, and so something big is happening now. And and either the pitchforks are going to come out, we're going to have blood in the streets, or we're going to shift over to digital and. It's just going to move on. What I what I think, well, what I think is there's going to be blood on the street, but it's really money because money is like blood. It has to be on the streets. Like those people, they have to release that money. And if you're starting to you're starting to see that really big initiatives are because they yeah. don't know what they're doing. Because when yeah. you get too high, right, you, you're too disconnected. The same thing when you're too low, you're too disconnected, and you're not in the middle, right? So, so CEOs and wealthy people, they're starting these foundations, right? They're doing all this stuff, but. That's the beginning of what you're talking about, the process to release that capital they've been holding yeah. into into the 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 the, the world, yeah. into society, right? But per usual, because they're control freaks, they're trying to figure out a way to do it. But they're just gonna have to let it go. They're gonna have to let it go because that's the only way to really get innovation started. Because we're not innovating right now, we're innovating at the margins. Yeah. The shit that's I mean, I'm sorry, DoorDash really like <laughs> how many you know, like how many apps do I need to deliver my fucking food? Right. You know, like that that okay. What else? Like, we need to start addressing real problems. And, and as you said, it's your students who are talking about the real problems. Yeah. You know, kids are talking about, listen, in my neighborhood, whatever whatever issue is happening, right? They're young people that are not in those neighborhoods, they realize, like, hey, wait, how come I have this but these kids don't? You know, they're the ones pushing that, right? Even we don't talk about Universities are it. acknowledging it. Like, Absolutely. We, like, they're realizing that they, yeah. those are the minds that they want. Yes, yes. And they're, lo- they're looking for ways to, but again, 
gradualism is the enemy of progress, mm-hmm. right? Because they don't want to upset the people because the people are like, wait a minute, why are you letting these kids right. in? These are the kids I sign up to be with, right? But when you democratize innovation, you get everybody in it. Innovation isn't democratized. We think it is, but it's not. not and right. I think what you're trying to do is, is really leading down that path. Something like Facebook is a half-decentralized platform. They crowdsource the content, right? but the profits and mm-hmm. the governance is old-school industrial. Absolutely, right? yeah. Bitcoin is the first corporation that is open-source and decentralized. And the question, like those de- DAOs, those decentralized autonomous organizations, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Right. Um, but I do know that some form of a decentralized, the next... Right, right now we have the Google, Facebook guys mm-hmm. that got bigger than industrial giants. The next giants are going to be these decentralized organizations that are owned by no one, that are bigger than any country, mm-hmm. right, and that are global and that nobody can stop because they're mm-hmm. ownerless and, and they just spread right. like that. And right, I think by the time my daughters, my age, that's those are going to be the biggest companies on the planet, yeah. and they're going to be owned by the workers, built for the workers. Right, it's going to be individual workers are going to are going to. Um, kind of co-own that mm-hmm. or at least share the risk uh, you know where instead of the ceo right hmm. so i guess we get ready to roll it wrap it all right where we where, where um where can, can people connect with you what do you, yes. do you are you like a social media guy like what do you not do? much on social media um the big.net uh, my author at the big.net you have my email address there okay um i have a twitter and zemmer n-z-e-i-m-e-r that's my handle on facebook on twitter on instagram and everything um i read i don't post much um but I'd, I'd love people to get in touch with me. Please, anyway, yes. if anything tickles you about this conversation, yes. you have to get in touch with me because we got to make this happen. We got to right. come together. We got to make power some numbers. Yeah. Yes. So please, on the big.net, there's a sign up form to get updates where, you know, kind of my email blasts. So sign yeah. up there, put your name on there. Um, but, or get in touch with, like, yeah, or any other medium that you like. Um, but the big.net is probably the easiest to remember. Big Fantastic. Big the big.net. The yeah. big. The yeah. big.net. Not the notorious big.net. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Not to be confused. Yes. All right. Well, listen, man. I appreciate you coming through. This is fantastic. Yeah. Really good stuff. Really yeah. um, appreciate your passion, you know, not only for, you know, the future, but for the present, you know, because the present is the, the kids that you work with and the kids that you seem to care a great deal about. And, you know, just appreciate that we need more people yeah. like that that care about people that are not like them. And when this disrupts education, everyone says you can't disrupt education. You guys will be the first podcast that had the balls to have me on before everybody else, right? Yeah, that's so a fact. we want to disrupt everything. Yes, right? we I'll, do. I'll be back, and I'll and and you guys will get credit for being Absolutely. the ones that discovered it all. Yeah, and we pre- love and that. And when you get the private jet, just right? <laughs> send, send it for Just send us for yeah. Yeah, we just want to fly and it won't. Absolutely, <laughs> just one you. time. Thank, thank you for coming on. Thanks for my pleasure. pleasure. Thanks, Absolutely. guys, for having thank me. Thank you. Dope. Make sure y'all follow us at Cryptology Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure y'all like, rate, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts as well as SoundCloud.